Hey, this is Tara Sloan, and you're listening to Vibe 105. Vibe Talks. Vibe Talks. More than just music. Hey, everybody. This is Giancarlo Alino and Aaron Zaretsky reporting for Vibe 105 with a sports Vibe Talks segment where we're going to be talking about all things women's sports. To help us out today, we're happy to be joined by our guest. You've seen her co-host Rogers Hometown Hockey on Sportsnet, and now she's hosting a new interview series called Top of Her Game, Tara Sloan. How are you doing, Tara? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty busy, actually. <laughs> so uh, I honestly can't complain. Very grateful. Sounds good. Uh, Tara, just uh, before we get started here, like uh, the whole pandemic going on, like how are you doing and how's your family holding up? You know, I, again, I think I feel very, very grateful. Um, none of us have been touched firsthand by COVID-19. My family's healthy. My extended family is healthy. And um, homeschooling was not that much fun. And I'm not looking forward to uh, that in the fall and the logistics of it all. Um, but we have a roof over our heads and we have our family all together. So um, all things considered, doing very well. Tara, so you're the host of a uh this new program called Top of Her Game, which focuses on women in sports who are, as the title says, at the top of her game. <laughs> How did that program come about? Well, I think it really was the result of some of us noticing the um, glaring space on the landscape, you know. Uh, I mean, I think anybody who watches Rogers Hometown Hockey knows that we do our best on that show to be inclusive and to be representative and so you know representing women and women's sports and women in, in hockey has been really important to us and so that kind of glaring omission exists on the greater sports media landscape even to a bigger extent i think you know in this country women's hockey gets some conversation around it but uh, in terms of the the amount of discussion about um, women's sports and women in sport um it's very little and so I think in a way the pause kind of offered an opportunity um, because no pro sports were happening and th there's been, there was the need for some content. And we just really noticed that we felt like we needed to be very intentional about telling some women's stories. And so we're hoping that this isn't just going to fade away when pro starts start up in earnest. We hope that this is a conversation that will continue and that will grow. And uh, just what do you hope to achieve with the program? Well, I just think, you know, the playing field is very far from level. And, and I understand that um, these things take time. But at the same time, if you don't create any conversation and you don't create any awareness, um, then it's just going to be this like vicious circle of nothing. You know, like we know that... Um, numbers are down when it comes to girls and women's participation in sport. And if we don't provide a way for young people to um, sort of see what they can be and have role models, then, you know, we're not doing anything to help. So I think the goal is, is far reaching. I mean, ultimately, you know, I would love to see a lot more programming in general. Like I'd love to see the mainstreaming of, the National Women's Soccer League and the WNBA. And I'd love to see, um, you know, a, a viable women's professional league happen in hockey. Um, but again, like, you, this all cannot happen in a vacuum. So there has to be conversation around it. 
uh, and you have to like put it out there for people to see. Otherwise, nobody even knows it exists. Uh, with Tara Sloan here on Vibe 105 Sports Vibe Talk segment, I'm Giancarlo Lino, joined with Aaron Zaretsky here. Uh, Tara, just this whole program, like, how did you pitch the idea, or was it something that came up to you and they thought maybe you would have been the perfect person to host that? Like, what were the preliminary stages of this program? The preliminary stages were um, people with higher uh, pay grades than me actually saying, you know what, there's not enough women's programming here. So I was brought into the conversation um, and we kind of brainstormed like what that could look like with the idea that we would create a flagship show, which this is, um, but in the hopes that it will kind of expand into, you know, other areas and in a sort of a full stream of programming. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not the only one trying to trying to make this happen from from the inside out. Yeah, and I got a chance to see the opening episode. It was really well done. You had Stephanie McMahon and Charlotte Flair of the WWE on. Had some great conversation there. I think it opened a lot of eyes up towards women's sports in general, in entertainment and in sports. So what was some of the feedback you had from some of your peers or some people who viewed the program live? Well, I think even in advance of our initial broadcast, I think people were just really excited that there is something like this on the sports landscape. Um, but the, the feedback, you know, so far we've only aired two episodes, um, but it's been incredibly good. I, I just think, again, there's, there is an appetite for this and, and, you know, it's, I mean, obviously it's geared towards, um, having conversations with empowered women and empowering other women, but it's not just for women, you know, these are stories of formidable athletes and builders, um, and they're universal stories. It just so happens that they're the women. And often they've had to break through in areas where men have traditionally dominated. So, you know, that's part of what makes it interesting. Um, but I think it's also part of our responsibility to show young men the, the power of women. This isn't, you know, we can't just preach to the choir. We gotta, we gotta let everybody in on this. With Tara Sloan here uh, and Aaron Zareski along with Giancarlo Arlino. Um, Tara, you talked about earlier about expanding women's sports. Uh, the National Women's Hockey League have expanded into Toronto with the Toronto mm -hmm. Six. And their inaugural season is scheduled to begin later this year. Uh, do you think they'll be successful? You know, I mean, we know that there is definitely a schism between the National Women's Hockey League and the PWHPA, um, that there are, you know, there is a group of women that see a very different model working and they don't see the NWHL as a viable league. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think until, I mean, more power to the NWHL if, if it can work. Um, but, you know, there's, my understanding is they're just not able to provide the resources and the money and the conditions that many of the top female hockey players are looking for. So until that happens, I don't think we're going to see a very widespread movement. Um, but I am glad, you know, I am glad that there's a place for, for women to play, but we see by the number of women who are on the PWHPA, the number of women who opt not to play in the NWHL, that that is not the option that they're looking for. Right. And um, 
Yeah, and it was sad to see because before the NWHL, there was the CWHL here. And it was sad to see that they had a fall after I think it was maybe one or two seasons because, you know, they were starting to build some momentum, right? And then it just unfortunate. And, uh, you know, hopefully, like, you know, National Women's Hockey, like hopefully Charles Six can get off and running. But, um, but you know, but with the COVID-19, it says there'll be no fans in the stands, you know, like hopefully they could find their ways around it, but it might not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just might not happen given the economics, but hopefully, because you know, there needs to be more women's sports for sure. Yeah, well, the uh, CWHL itself had been around for quite some time, but the Toronto Furies team hadn't been around for too too long. But again, it was a it was a model that didn't work. So I, I mean, I think like many other people that the NHL will need to get involved, and we'll see if if and how that can that can happen. But it's a little bit in Gary Bettman's hands. Uh, we're here again with Tara Sloan, a sports five talk segment here on Vibe 105. I'm John Carlo Lino, joined with Aaron Zaretsky. Tara, you were just bringing up there about the Women's Hockey League and another sport in Canada, especially soccer, where the women have been outperforming the men for the past decade and a half. Like myself, I just uh, referee soccer games too here in Vaughan. I even noticed that that age group at some of the youth levels that women, young girls, like the skill levels there. The quality's there. So in terms of sports in general, what would it take for maybe like some of these big outlets to broadcast a game on a more frequent basis? And instead of just one tournament here or there, like what would it take to be a regular season where it would be a regular thing, just like the men's sports are on a main network? Uh, I mean, that's a, it's a huge question. And I certainly feel better versed in the world of hockey than I do in the world of soccer. Um, I did read, and I can't substantiate this, but I did read that the opening game of the uh, women's soccer tournament that's happening uh, actually outperformed the MLS opening game. So um, that's interesting. And we know by the World Cup uh, numbers that people are very interested in women's soccer and the caliber is extremely high. Um, I know, you know, soccer is obviously very fast growing. So Again, it's going to take, I think, just organizing a, a league that um, can be broadcast. And then, you know, but some of the onus is going to have to be on a league. I'd love to see a, a National Women's Soccer League team up here. Um, some of maybe some of the NLS teams buying in as well. Um, and then also some goodwill on behalf of the broadcasters. You know, like Sportsnet had to deal with the CWHL. And so that's certainly not out of the question moving forward. Yeah, I uh, like what you brought up there about maybe these big leagues, big teams, even forming a women's team. It's common in Europe and maybe in North America. That would be something that they can experiment with. But and just in general, like you've been, I'm sure, to a lot of women's hockey games. What would it take, like maybe a pregame thing, like a tailgate party? Like what would it take for, I guess, for the women's game? Like do they have to have like more community engagement, you think, to better grow the game and make it where... Someone knows, okay, I know this is taking place on a Saturday afternoon. I can take my kids to it. I can go with my cousins or I can go somewhere with it. Like, what would the pregame events have to be in order to get more people in attendance at these games? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm certainly no marketing expert, but I, I think it, it starts, you know, it's sort of multi-layered. Um, you know, there are a lot of the CWHL teams, um, you know, they didn't have probably consistent social media people. They probably didn't have consistent PR. Um, they certainly didn't have enough resources to really do proper advertising. Um, 
and you know who some of the games are always on weekends i guess that's that's an advantage um but it's all going to come down to resources and and advertising so you know it's got to start kind of at, at the minutia level um but if the league itself has no no resources and nobody knows when the games are happening then yeah but i mean sure you want to make it a fun experience i think once people see um these players they would be hooked and and there are some markets that did really well my understanding is that um that the the canadian who played out in laval where the rocket play uh, were doing very very big numbers so they had a beautiful rink that they were playing at i also think it doesn't necessarily do teams any favors if they're playing in a rink that's too big for them so there's so many variables but i think it's going to be kind of consistency and staffing for sure is is a huge part of it having you know, enough people in place to, to get the word out. Yeah. And something that I just find interesting is that here in Canada, like, you know, during the Olympics, you know, people here will support the women's national hockey team, but you know, the same players, when they would play in the CWHL, they wouldn't support them, not nearly as much or lose in touch with them. So I just find that interesting. Like, okay, you support the women's hockey during the Olympics, but when they play for local teams within a women's hockey league, not so much. Right. Yeah. And again, if nobody knows it's happening, then um, then they're not going to go. So it's just there's there's got to be a push. You know, I think like when the WNBA started, the NBA really got behind it and used a lot of their resources. And, you know, that extended also to um, the, the athletes and how they're able to train and how they're taking care of. And so it, it's a it's a big project, but I don't think it's insurmountable by any stretch. I'm Aaron Zareski with Joe Carlolino with Tara Sloan here. Tara, uh, what are your thoughts on Toronto and Edmonton being hub cities for the NHL's return to play plan? Well, I mean, I think they're the safest bets. <laughs> uh, obviously, Canada has done a much better job of uh, controlling um, or flattening the curve, I guess I'll say. Um, so, you know, it, it reflects well well on Canada. Um yeah, I mean, it seems like their plan is viable. You know, I mean, I think we're all watching with bated breath to see if it can really happen. Uh, if if August 1st is really going to be a puck drop. I mean, I think hockey fans all, all want it to happen, but we all want it to happen safely. And uh, I think this is their best bet. I, I do think it's been well thought out and I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. And Tara, just uh, bringing that up, like Toronto, Edmonton, I think it would be like just looking at the numbers, a lot of people are looking at that model as being a lot safer than what's going on in Orlando with the MLS bubble and NBA going there. So with Toronto now hosting, they said Scotiabank Arena is most likely will they be playing. But uh, I don't know. A lot of Leaf fans, though, they've had some bad luck in that arena. It's not like the NBA where they had success. So should they have opted out and said, maybe let's go to Madame Center or uh, Coca-Cola Coliseum where they've had success in the past? Or are you optimistic about this at Scotiabank? I think, I don't, you know, I don't know that there's any uh, home arena advantage. Uh, there probably isn't anymore anyway, like you say. Um, I, things are so topsy-turvy. I mean, I think everybody's going to be happy just to play. So I don't think it's really going to matter whatsoever. It's um, it, This world is turned upside down. So I think just getting on the ice and, and having a game, is that's a win. And uh, Tara, uh, what's your take on, you know, one of these eight qualifying teams who get knocked out in the that playing round? You know, one of them will get the chance to get the number one overall draft pick. 
<laughs> well, I was watching the draft lottery like everybody else. And I went, I mean, you know, I, I, I follow along to see what's happening, but I mean, I also, I did not know what was happening. I didn't know what, what this meant. Um, so I just kind of shook my head along with everybody else going, okay, well that's 2020 for you. Like it doesn't <laughs> seem fair. Um, but it's an interesting, interesting variable for sure. Yeah, because I noticed uh, just watching that too, right? And that the LA Kings, they looked like they were going to get the number one pick. So then what? I they showed a clip of, you know, the two guys in the front office, right? Watching it and it's like, oh, it's like a to-be-announced team wins it. And it's like, they just look so sad. I think it was like Rob Blake and... Um, and, and probably uh, Luke Robitaille, I'm guessing. Yeah, Luke Robitaille. Yeah. It's like they just had this <laughs> blank stare of just like, what just happened? It's like we really lost to like an unknown team. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's pre- it's pretty weird. But again, gotta like put your hands up and go twenty twenty. That's that's how it is. <laughs> do you think that's a good thing, like positive thing for the league to do that, or are people gonna look at it and say, okay, this draft lottery needs to be adjusted because look at Pittsburgh, a team with Crosby, Malkin, they could look like a different team next year if they have Lafreniere go on, or a team like Toronto could win the lottery. Like, do you think the lottery needs to be adjusted and there needs to be changes made? Well, I mean, this was obviously an uh, unprecedented adjustment that did happen. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's so much conjecture as to what would make the draft lottery more fair and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I sure, if, if I'm L.A. or Detroit, I'm, I'm mad about what happened. Um, in terms of keeping fans engaged, it's, uh, I think it's a good thing. But... I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not well versed enough to like give a good answer about how the draft lottery could could be made more fair. But I don't know. It, as, if this is if it was really uh, left up to chance, and this is what happened, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, Tara. I just want to shift gears a little bit to Rogers hometown hockey. You coached that whole set alongside Ron McLean. It got cut short a little bit this year, so you probably didn't get to go to some of the stops that. Uh, you guys originally planned on going to just looking back at the experience though what has been a memorable experience that you, like a city that you went to that you learned something about it or it was just a great experience and what's maybe one city that you hope to cross off your bucket list and visit with uh, hometown hockey well we did 120 something stops over the last six seasons so we were only cut short by three stops fortunately but um i mean it's really, it's always very hard to single out a place. Um, if I could sort of single out an experience, I would say that, you know, Ron and I both have been learning a lot about our First Nations in this country, our Indigenous people. Um, and that has been a, just a huge eye-opener. And we've been blessed the last two seasons to have stops on First Nations. So we were in Enoch Cree Nation uh, which is just outside Edmonton last season. And then this season we were in Pegwa's First Nation in Manitoba. Um, so in terms of just a, an overall experience, that's been one of the richest. Um, one of the communities we did not get to was Campbell River, the home of Rod Brindamore. Um, and that's on Vancouver Island, which is just a, always a spectacular place to visit. So, but, you know, we didn't make it to North Vancouver either and, uh, it's it's always sad, and there are lots of places I think we'd like to go smaller, smaller hockey markets. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens moving forward. Absolutely, um, Tara. So just before we wrap things up here, how can uh, listeners, viewers follow you on uh, social media? 
I'm at Tara Sloan and it's T-A-R-A-S-L-O-N-E on all of the media. Well, I'm not on TikTok. So on Instagram and Twitter is the best way to find me. Sounds good. Um, well, Tara, thank you so much for taking some time with your busy schedule to join us here today. Take care, stay safe, and hopefully we can do this again someday down the future. Thanks, gentlemen. Very nice to meet you. That was Tara Sloan. Stick around. We've got plenty more programming to come right here on Vibe 105. And now back to your Vibe, Vibe 105.